Are you wanting to create a highly prosperous photography business doing what you love? Or maybe you have a great business already and want to up your game? Then you're in the right place. Master craftsman photographer Lucy Dumas and her guests are here to support you on your journey. Now here's your hostess and tour guide, Lucy. Enjoying success requires the ability to adapt. Only by being open to change will you have a true opportunity to get the most from your talent. And that's a quote by Nolan Ryan. So hello, all you fun photographers out there. And thanks for tuning in again to The Profitable Photographer. Whether you are driving, editing, or having a spot of tea and listening intently, I want you to know how grateful I am that you're here. Also, I so want you to join my community so that you're the first to know about any new and exciting courses or groups. And there is free stuff I offer, and I want you to have it. So if you go to lucydumascoaching.com, you can get my free ebook, and then that puts you in my email so that when there's new things, like I have a new gift, a new free gift that I'll be putting out shortly, and I want you to know about that. And then in somewhere early February, I'm launching an online course. So to get those goodies, just go ahead and go to my website and you'll see how to snag the 10 Big Ideas for Marketing in the Real World book and also join the private group and like my page. And you can see in the show notes on the website how to get there. So I'm really happy to introduce my guest today. I have a feeling she and I are going to be good pals and I can't wait to see her in um where are we going oh nashville <laughs> the pba convention marnie claggett is a cpp certified professional photographer if people don't know what that is in 2010 she and her husband bill officially launched claggett photography and they operate a studio in the historic downtown elizabethtown kentucky did i say that right you did hey that is us and they're focused on contemporary fine art portraiture for their clients. Marnie primarily photographs families and high school seniors, but their studio has also been growing a commercial client base. When she's not working with those amazing clients, she's busy helping educate other photographers and help educate our industry and artistic standards and also for photographers to achieve their own goals for improving their business and their lives. So she and I share both a passion for providing fine art photography for families, but supporting others that do. So I love that. So welcome, Marnie. Thank you. I'm excited to be here, Lucy. Thank you. So in a nutshell, I think my listeners like to know, how the heck did you end up here as a professional photographer? Well, I actually started out with a good, oh gosh, 20 years in the entertainment industry. So I was an actress and did directing and, and teaching and that sort of thing in that field. And then I had kids and I realized I couldn't be the mom I wanted to be and the actress I wanted to be and kind of pursue those things the same way. So I let that career go completely and I didn't know what I was going to do until 
I picked up a camera that I hadn't picked up a camera in, you know, gosh, it had probably been 20 years, 25 years. And I realized this was something that I could actually do for a living. Yeah. And that was kind of the it. I fell into it the way a lot of people do these days. I was photographing my kids and a friend saw those pictures and said, you know, hey, would you do these for my, my grandson? And the rest, as they say, is history. So I should title this Momtographer Made Good. <laughs> <laughs> you know, we, we, we always kind of give the, the momtographers a bad rep, but a lot of us started that way. So, you know, and, and we're making a, a good career out of it and we're doing good things in our industry. So yeah, go ahead. I'll claim that. <laughs> well, what's interesting, I'm thinking about when I started almost 38 years ago, pretty shocking. It was a man's world. And I think that it was kind of a shock to, let's say, the old guard when all of a sudden the technology made it easier entry for, let's say, dominantly, what would it be, right brain people? So people that maybe didn't, weren't excited about technology, but were excited about the craft and the creativity And that would, to me, be naturally more women than men. So having a lot of women suddenly enter the industry, you know, from a, I was a sociology major in college. And so, you know, demographically, that it was quite a wave. It literally felt like a wave. The first time I went to WPPI convention, and there were all these strollers. (laughs) strollers. <laughs> wow. That's and, such oh, what a great visual. Yeah. They used to, you used to not be able to get around the trade show and they made a rule maybe six years ago, no strollers in the expo. Wow. <laughs> wow. It's so funny that you say that because I, I was thinking that as I was growing up, I love photography and I, some of my most vivid memories from my childhood are photography related, but all the photographers I knew were middle-aged men. And if there were women in their studios, they were making appointments. And so I had no, like it never occurred to me that I could become a photographer because, you know, that's not what women did. Women just made the appointments and there was no way I was going to do that. (laughs) When I did weddings, if I had a male assistant, people would go to him and ask, you know, and assume he was the photographer. Now, that being said, I love men. I stand on the shoulders of dudes who taught me so much. And it's just uh, fun to see that some of what, you know, you and I are saying with love, the mom. Oh, absolutely. That there's so many now out in the world teaching and creating their own empires and their own world domination. And I love that you, you know, you were a mom who took some great pictures and it blossomed into a profession. Yeah, absolutely. It is neat. So I have a question and I don't know if people have asked you this before, but I would think that being an actress and a director helps you in a big way in your photography. Oh, absolutely. So how does that help you? I use my degree every single day. I remember when my kids were little and I wasn't performing anymore. I remember sitting on a park bench with a friend of mine that we were roommates in college and she had had a journalism degree and she wasn't working at that point either. 
we were watching the kids and looking at each other going, we had these degrees from Northwestern University <laughs> and we are not using them at all. And so today it's great because I'm, I'm using that degree now. <laughs> so all those student loans that got paid off, like we're, we're putting all that to use. Yeah, absolutely. A lot of my degree was actually in the field of creative drama. So I spent a lot of time with kids and learning how to talk to kids and how to be kind of come at them on their level which makes, you know, connecting with that two-year-old who just wants to sit on the ground and pout, which means I know how to talk to him and how to turn him around and get him on my side. And, you know, he's directing the photo shoot by the time we're done, you know. So that's hugely helpful. And then just being able to see visually, to know, you know, I know how to use a composition on stage. I just transferred that over to photography and it's, it really, it's crazy how much it goes hand in hand. Oh yeah. So my heart is photographing children. I do a lot of families because of course there's families when there's children. Yeah. (laughs) The time. And so when I've taught, when I got my uh, master and my craftsman degree, I was teaching children's photography and people would say, what are your favorite props? And I realized it's my face. (laughs) It's my hands. It's silly sounds. And then when that fails, I pull out squeakies and and different things. But so I imagine you can make really good faces and entertain people. And I'm sure you have the same feeling that we're sometimes I think of it like I'm a conductor, but, you know, we're directing a scene. And so I bet you're darn good at that. <laughs> Some days. Some days. Some days. Some days. You know, we all have our moments. <laughs> so you're going to be speaking at the PPA convention in Nashville. And what's your topic? I am going to be talking about successful home studios. So I'm really excited about that. I am passionate about the home studio and that's the thing that gets my blood pumping. So yeah, so I'm going to do a a half day pre-con class on Saturday and we're going to be talking all things home studio. So I would love to hear the Cliff Notes version of that. So can you share maybe three to five practical ways to make a small space work for your business? Absolutely. So one of the things that I always make sure that I do with my clients when we're in the home studio is to make sure that they are focused on the right thing. It's so easy in those spaces to um, have, you know, so many of our, our home things in their visual range. And so one of the things that we like to do is make sure that we are controlling what our clients are looking at when they're in our space. So if we're doing a consultation, For example, I'm going to set myself in a very specific place in the room so that what they are looking at, uh, what they can't help but look at, is me and the artwork on my walls. I don't want them to look at my living room. Um, I really don't want them to look into my kitchen and my dining room. (laughs) So, um, So, yeah, so that's one of the things that we always make sure we do is to really make sure that the focus is in the right spot. Another thing when just dealing with small spaces. Sometimes those places are less than ideal for photographing clients. 
that that happens quite a bit. So we have delved into the world when we have to. We delved into the world of realistic backdrops. And we find ways to use those and to transform those spaces into locations that, you know, yeah, this is a room that's got some carpet and some drywall and that's about it. And we can try turn that into, you know, a barn. We can turn that into really anything you want, um, depending on what, you know, your studio's branding is like. Yeah, so we've definitely learned to use things like that. I don't know what you mean by real estate backdrops. I suddenly had a picture of like a sign that you'd see on a billboard of two smiling people with a Oh, little, that's so funny. <laughs> realistic realistic oh, i like it <laughs> well real estate backgrounds a barn is real estate so well, that's true. I, yeah it totally maybe, works maybe that's a kentucky thing <laughs> oh god it definitely is realistic backgrounds yeah so realistic backdrops and floor drops oh my gosh our our last home studio space had this horrible horrible carpet in it and you know, I could not for the life of me convince my husband that it was a great idea to just take out all the carpet and put down hardwood floors. He could not see the point in that. So um, we use these, they make floor drops now that look just like hardwood floors. They're amazing. So, you know, those kind of things are just little things to kind of trick, you know, the, uh, the eye into thinking that, yeah, we're actually in this really great space when we're really not. So I think I jumped you a little bit ahead because I'd like to get a picture of your space. So someone comes to your home, ding dong. So describe your workspace, home space. Awesome. Okay. So I'm going to describe for you my previous home studio because it was a very challenging space. Where we are now is still technically a home studio, but it is, has fewer challenges than the last space. So you would come to my front door and you would walk into my, well, you just walk into my house. <laughs> so you can see up the stairs, you can see, you know, where my kids have left their toys if I haven't managed to get those out of the way. It's all right there. You can see, it was a, we have a very open floor plan. So you could see our dining room, you could see our kitchen, you could see our living room, it was all there. We had a little space off to the right of the front door that was 110 square feet. So not big enough for photography studio, but that's the space that we use to develop our business into a six figure business. So it's possible even in 110 square feet of space. So is that like 10 by 10 or eight by 12? Um, it was, I think it was 10 by 11. Okay. Yeah, it's 10 by 11. So, you know, we had some room um, that we could at least dedicate to the studio. Unfortunately, it was, like I said, completely open concept. So it was completely open to the rest of the house. So that meant that, you know, we did not start dinner until after the last client was gone for the day because otherwise we've got all kinds of smells in the studio. We needed to find a way to contain, you know, if little family members joined parents for consultations or for ordering appointments or even for portrait sessions, I had to make sure there was a way to contain them in that area without them running amok through my entire home. So yeah, so we had some definite issues there. There's ambient light galore. Um, the house was had really nice windows, um, but it did not really work so well for a photography studio. So lots and lots of challenges in that tiny space. So did you use that space both for your sales and shooting? 
Yes, we use that space for everything. So we did consultations, we did ordering appointments, and we did photography sessions in there. So we had to do some pretty specialized ways of setting that up to make that work. And again, it's a tiny space and I want it to feel like a space where where clients can feel at home, but still know it's a professional space. And that's, that is one of the key things that I think we have to remember as home studio owners, that those spaces, even if it's in the middle of our home, it's still a professional space. So um, there's no artwork on the wall of my kids. Like that's, that's not going to exist <laughs> in that room. Um, the, anybody on my walls, that's going to be a client only. And so, yeah, that means that I can see my clients from my living room, but I, you know, I put up people that I like, so <laughs> I'm at least seeing spaces that make me happy when I see them. Right. And I imagine you figured out how to work higher dollar, lower volume that you weren't like, yeah, let's do 10 sessions a day. Oh, heck no. Yeah. Um, that would make me insane. No, we're definitely a low volume studio. So our sales averages in that space, um, were around $1,200 for portrait clients, but we started relationships again in that space with clients that spend routinely. And even then um, upwards of $10,000 a year with us. So it is all about how you approach your studio space um, and what you do to make that work. So we have a similar situation, except that um, I have a door because I'm in a historic neighborhood in San Diego called South Park, but I have an older craftsman style home. So everything's cut up. And so I have a door and I have an apartment above my garage. The camera room is 10 by 10. So I don't have to switch things over, but in my conference room, my secret to being able to make it all work is that I have everything on wheels. So I have nice, cute office chairs and a little round table for uh, the consultations. And then when it's time to do my projection sales, I make a little theater and push everything in the back of the room. And my movie screen actually helps block out light. So it's in front of a window. So I pull that down and it helps darken the room. And yeah, so that's how I, years ago, somebody said, you know, office chairs and round tables are smart moves, especially in a small space to keep people comfortable. So do you have tips? Yes, absolutely. Um, so one of the things that we do is we, we scale down all our furniture so instead of a big couch, I am, I am a big fan of comfort. So I'll interrupt myself there. Um, I'm a big fan of comfort. So I want my clients to be comfortable. So I, I, was gonna, I wasn't going to let the couch and chairs go. So I ended up going with a little settee type couch that could fit two, maybe three bottoms if people were tiny. And it was lightweight. So when I needed to change the room over from the consultation space, ordering space, I could just pick that sucker up all by myself and move it to the side and um, move it where, you know, we had a little area where we could kind of move it to and still make it look, you know, professional, um, get it out of the way for portrait sessions. I made sure that, you know, again, it's a small space. So we had a pretty big coffee table in that room to hold things like albums that we wanted clients to be able to touch and to look at and to see how it would work in their home. 
but we made sure that it was glass so that people could see through it. So even though it was this huge piece of furniture in the middle of the room, it didn't seem so big because you could see through it. Um, it wasn't like a big wood, you know, hunk in the middle of the room. Right. My tabletop is actually a small side table on wheels with a round piece of glass that's like 36 by 36. Perfect. So same thing, because then it doesn't look huge. My room is like nine by 13. So I don't actually need the full 13, although it helps when I'm pushing things to the side. Yeah, yeah absolutely. So, yeah, thinking yeah. about ways to make a room feel bigger and be comfortable, but without like blocking out the sun. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so sometimes people, and maybe historically this is more true than it is now, but I've always been in a home studio except when I first started, I lived in a tiny condo and, and the guest room was, I was still printing and developing black and whites for fun. So, oh, wow. uh, and there wasn't storage and I'm a person that can kind of collect too much stuff. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not a hoarder. It just takes time to get rid of things and I'm busy with my next exciting, you know, whatever I'm into. So when I started, I went to their homes and then I moved to this, this home. And at the time, I experienced a lot of, oh, you have a studio in your home? You mean you're not professional? So nowadays, so many more photographers have studios in their homes that maybe it's not as big of an issue. But do you have any tips or ways that you get clients to see you as the professional that you are? Yes, that's a great, that's a great question. So we do a few things. Actually, we do a lot of things. Really everything we do is designed, <laughs> everything we do is designed toward helping our clients see us as professionals first. Okay. So first of all, just the things that we offer are different than what other photographers offer in the area. As far as I know, we are the only full service studio in our area. So that means we're the only ones that are doing consultations and ordering appointments. That's nobody else is doing that. So people immediately know something different is up with our studio. The other thing is that we are very specific about the language that we use. So everything is very fine art specific. So when we talk to, to folks about what we do, we're talking about portraits. We're talking about images. We are never talking about pics or photos, those kind of things that, you know, when they talk about their, their pictures that they took on their, you know, their pretty good camera at the soccer game of their kids, you know, they're talking about pics and they're talking about their, their cell phone images, stuff like that. We're, we very much speak to them in fine art terminology. And that's across the board. <laughs> We're never going to shoot anybody. We're only going to photograph them. Yes. <laughs> so that's a big deal. <laughs> so if anything, what that does is it just sets it apart for them that, you know, just from the language that we're using, that what we're doing is different than what they can do for themselves. Right. Right. You know, we treat our business as a business. So, um, you know, we have, we have things like insurance and business licenses and those kind of things, which seems silly to have to say out loud, but we really, we really do have to make sure that people are doing that. My clients all have to sign contracts and we go over those things in person in detail so that they know I'm serious about my business. And I'm serious about protecting my business. I need them to know that I have something to protect. 
The other thing we've done that may be one of the biggest things that has gone toward helping people understand that this is not my hobby that I do out of my home. This is my profession at my home. My office happens to be in my house um, is to set office hours. So we have, we have every day it's 10 to five Tuesday through Friday. And then Saturdays from nine to noon, those are my office hours. If a client you know, says, well, I work from nine to five. I tell them, well, that's fine. I do too. And I'm happy to work outside of those hours to help them, but it's, they're going to have to pay an additional fee um, because that takes me away from, you know, the tons of other things that I have to do when I'm not in the studio. <laughs> so I have two um, teenage children and they're both involved in everything under the sun. And so I am spending a lot of time with them. If I'm going to take time away from them to photograph your family, then it's going to cost a little extra for me to do that. And that goes a long way towards helping people understand that, you know, this is a business. It's not just something that I'm doing for fun or to make a little extra money. This is how I actually feed my family. Um, this is, that's all our studio is the only thing that we have right now that's going to get our kids through college. <laughs> yeah. And we want that. So they'll, so they'll leave. <laughs> exactly. That's how it's important. Okay. <laughs> Come visit. Bring some grandbabies. <laughs> exactly. Yes. I am guessing that your husband doesn't wear flip-flops and shorts and a t-shirt from some vacation and you don't have super thin leggings and short crop tops and tennis shoes when people come to the door. No, no one wants to see that, Lucy. Um, <laughs> um, so dressing no. is the moral of that story, especially. Yes. <laughs> but yes, professional. We always dress for the studio. I will not show up at the door in my pajamas, except I will tell you I had a, a scheduling snafu with a client one time when I was making the transition over from my trusty paper calendar to my computer calendar. And someone showed up at the door for an ordering appointment. And I was literally still in my pajamas. It's like, oh, what are you doing here? (laughs) So normally that happens. Normally we are, we're dressed and we wear shoes. As much as I love the idea that, you know, when I don't have clients, I can come, you know, be a total, total, uh, you know, relaxed, loungy girl um, and wear my comfy pants and my sweatshirt and curl up in a blanket at my computer. If a client's going to be anywhere near me, I'm going to wear real shoes and, um, and I'm going to be dressed professionally. Right. Yeah. I, I like to be comfortable. So I've discovered pants, pants in England, by the way, is your undies. So did you know that? No, I have to yeah. be careful to that. <laughs> no. I was visiting a friend who lives there now and her daughter, I said, I need to put my pants on. And she laughed and like, what? So she told me that. Okay. So I found pants and nice, comfortable jackets and sweaters and things that look professional, but I still feel like I'm in my PJs. But I always feel like if I don't have a little lipstick on and maybe a little jewelry and just a little bit of makeup, I feel like I'm not presenting myself as professional. Absolutely. Yeah, I totally agree. I have, now I do have uh, a friend locally here who's a photographer who talks about all the time, like she shows up at her door she has a studio in her home. She shows up at her door. You know, she says, maybe I'm in my PJs. Maybe I'm still in my robe. And they've showed up for their, their, you know, their session. And I'm just like, come on in. Like, this is just how she greets people. Yeah. And with her personality, she can get away with it. 
It takes a very special person to be able to do that and to pull it off well. Um, I am not that person. I need to go ahead and, and I need all the help I can get. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I just had an idea. Someone could have a whole brand strategy that's like the PJ photographer. Real. <laughs> We've talked about scrubs. I keep saying scrubs have got to be the way to go. I don't have to pick <laughs> out in the morning. Like we could be the scrubs photographers. <laughs> Find one with or have it made with uh, little cameras. There you go. Yeah. So this has me want to share about two of my mentors that when I was first planning how I was going to approach my business, I went to an event at their residential studio and realized how much I loved their business model. And so his, it's Lee's photography in the San Diego area, Poway. Lee was Terry's father and Lee's photography had a very long presence as a studio in this smallish community. But when Terry and Allison, Terry, the son decided or were given the business, they decided to buy a property and build a studio on the property and their home that was about 10 minutes out of the main part of town. And so they, they put a trailer on it and they were, you know, hippie, hippie type, you know, baby boomers. And they went to a talk or something with some program and Somebody said to them, how on earth are people going to see you as professional and spend thousands of dollars with you dressed like this? And it clicked for them. And from that point on, you never saw them in any professional capacity, not dressed beautifully, comfortably. But Terry would always have on a nice suit. You know, he might have jeans, but he'd have a nice blazer. She was always dressed lovely and their business like tripled in no time. And then I loved, and it kind of handled that, oh, we're working out of our house kind of thing, not a storefront back when storefronts were the norm. Uh, But I loved their setup because they had a beautiful house. And then, then you just went outside and walked into the studio. And so I ended up, (laughs) I have a two-on-one, as I said, so my studio is in a granny flat above my garage. In no way is it as wonderful as their space, (laughs) but I made it work, and I always understood about, you know, importance of of putting a professional, professional presentation in front of people. So, yeah, we're on the same page. So you suggested one of our talking points might be to know when you're financially ready to move to a larger studio or storefront. And I've had several coaching clients that have had that dilemma. And so I'm looking forward to learning more about how people know they're ready. It all comes down to numbers, Lucy. It really does. It's and unfortunately, it's it's the not so fun part <laughs> of looking at things because we get excited about oh what that that space would be like and all the things we think we could do there, but the cold hard reality is that there's a lot of overhead that goes into those spaces, and 
it's more than we, we don't think of it that way, but it's more than just saying, oh, well, the rent would be, you know, whatever, $500 a month. So I just need to take on X number of sessions to be able to cover that and it'll be fine. And that's not really how it works. We have to actually look at all the other things that go into overhead. So without like, you know, I can't put my fun charts up in front of you <laughs> on the podcast. So, so if anybody's interested, come to the class at imaging and we'll, we'll put up all the charts. But basically I look at the PPA benchmark survey. I live and die by that thing. It is probably one of the most helpful business tools out there. So what, what that in particular tells us is that as a retail location, we have to dedicate a full 10% more of our income to the studio itself, to overhead, to costs that go along with having that separate space from your home. If we stay in a home studio, we get to keep that 10%. So if you think about the fact that, um, you know, say, say your studio brings in $100,000, because that makes our math easy. So if our studio brings in $100,000, $10,000 of that could either stay in your pocket or it could go to someone else um, that you're paying rent to and to all those other little things that you have to throw money at <laughs> when, you, when you have a retail location. So part of it is looking at, looking at those numbers uh, and saying, well, am I willing to let that go? Is it worth it to me to let that you know, $10,000 go every year? It's also a really good idea to sit down and be realistic about your spending habits. I always recommend that um, photographers sit down and get very real and not fudge numbers, <laughs> but come up with what is your, what's your projected budget? What, what should you be spending on your studio? And then look at your numbers for the past couple of years and see whether or not those things line up. If your spending is way under, okay, then maybe you can handle, you know, moving into something else. If your spending is at or over kind of what that budget should be, then it's time to, to take a good look at it and say, okay, can I cut some of those expenses or um, am I just not willing to do that? Am I going to need to stay in this home studio so that I don't get into debt? And I'll tell you, I have talked to some very successful photographers who have had retail locations and have said point blank, it was the worst decision we ever made. We should never have done that. It's cost us thousands upon thousands of dollars that we, you know, did not need to have, you know, like, and so if, you know, they say, you know, if we had really sat down and been real with ourselves and not been so excited and emotional about getting into that space, or think that that space was going to solve all our problems because it's not going to solve all your problems, then we would have saved ourselves a lot of heartache. Right. Now, in there though, how do you factor in the increased income potential? Because I would think if I had a studio space that was bigger, better, maybe in a location where it got some traffic possibly, and I actually went, went away from here and went to the studio, I might be more or less inclined to be like, I'll have that extra cup of coffee and <laughs> blah, blah, blah. That I, that I I'm guessing you also in your, in your longer class rather than your, you know, our cliff notes is about factoring in the, the income 
increased potential in having a home studio? Yes. So I will tell you that for us, so we are now, um, I, I think I kind of alluded to it before, but we are now actually in a different space. We're no longer in that 110 square foot space. We're now in a, let's see, what is it? It's an 1100 square foot space. It's great. Um, it's in a historic building, um, again, in our historic downtown district here in E-Town. And we live upstairs. So it's our building and we have an apartment upstairs. The studio is downstairs. And it's, so it's still technically a home studio, but now we do have a storefront. We have a sign. We are right in the heart of downtown. People drive by us constantly. I will tell you, we have not seen an increase in the amount that people are spending when they come to us. Um, we actually, our biggest portrait sale happened in our home studio. It was an, um, I think it was an $8,500 portrait sale, um, which by some standards is not really all that high in our area. That's, that, that's pretty good. We have, I think our max since we've been in our, our, our studio space here um, has been, you know, around 4,000. So I think that just because we have a space that people can see, that has not necessarily meant that our sales averages have gone up because of that. Um, our sales averages have gone up because we have changed pricing <laughs> and that helps, but that, but it's not because of, of people being able to see us. If anything, the fact that more people can see us than they could in our little residential neighborhood has put a bit of a strain because we have to spend so much more time filtering clients out. People just show up and they're like, Hey, I saw your stuff. What, you know, I want to have my picture taken. Um, and so, you know, we walk everybody through the process. We, you know, show them what, what pricing looks like and that sort of thing. And then they politely decline and that's okay. But we have to filter through a lot more of that because there is a little bit more visibility. Now, if we were a very high volume studio that were, you know, lower price, that would be great for us potentially. Uh, but that's not what we do. The other thing about having the storefront um, is that we really have not seen our numbers increase as far as the number of sessions we're doing in a year. Um, it's just, it just has not worked that way. And I think that when we're in our home studios, we see, you know, Oh, uh, the clients aren't coming in like I want them to, or, Oh, this space. I'm so tired of trying to work all of these things in this one tiny room, or, you know, I don't have enough room to do these things that I want to do. We see all the problems, the challenges that we're facing, and we think that the thing that will solve them is to get into that retail space. Because if I were in that retail space, oh my gosh, people would take me seriously and they would pay me lots of money. Or, oh my goodness, um, I would be able to you know, have every client I ever wanted because they'll be able to see that I'm here. It's not necessarily true. I think we put a lot of stock in that retail space. But the reality is, and the more retail studio owners that I talk to, the reality is, is that the headaches of that retail space don't necessarily always outweigh the benefits. So it, it sounds like you should just go back to your old place, but I'm sure you don't <laughs> feel that. So besides the, the comfort and the ease of having, you know, a much easier space, which frees up a lot of energy, what have you seen? Like, I assume you're glad that you made the move. <laughs> we are. Yeah. There are things that have improved for us. One of those things, 
I remember I said, you know, that we're careful about, you know, smells. We don't want to cook things, you know, during the day. So we can have a crock pot going all day and dinner's ready when I get done. I love that. The other thing is that I am not having to transition um, in that one little tiny space. I don't have to transition my camera room back to an ordering appointment room uh, and then back to a camera room again if I plan my day poorly. So that's nice. It saves me, again, that time and that energy. And I like where we are. Just from on a personal note, we're at a level we are in the middle of, a, of this downtown area that was really run down. And we came in and we did renovate this building. Uh, it took three years. It was horrible. I don't recommend it. <laughs> <laughs> but, but now that we're on the other side of that, we're really excited that we get to be a part of kind of this downtown renaissance. So for us, part of that is helping to bring a part of our community back to life. So, um, but that's completely separate from photography. <laughs> no, there, what I hear is there's a quality of life benefit that even if there's zero potential for you to ever make any more money because you're in this spot, it's worth the extra expense because your studio is all set up and, you know, the stress of, of all that switching, you don't have to deal with that. You like that you're a part of of your community that is is helping you said it was e-town <laughs> yes, e-town we don't, yeah it's too long to yeah. say Elizabeth town <laughs> yeah and i do know that there are people who move from their home or or going to people's homes and opening a studio and it leads to a lot more profit because they can service more people yeah um, or it gets them away from their four kids and the barking dogs <laughs> that's true things yeah Cool. So we're just about out of time and I've really loved this conversation and I'm sure my listeners are enjoying it as well. One of the new things I've added is to ask if you have a favorite business or inspirational book that you, you know, you read over and over again, you've underlined half the book or somehow it's rocked your world. Absolutely. I love Donald Miller's story brand. That's kind of my, my book of choice right now. I love that he is helping us to put focus back on our clients um, as opposed to, you know, being the heroes of our story, letting them be the heroes um, that we're, you know, in that story that we're telling as businesses and as business owners. It's good stuff. If you haven't read it, it's, um, it's pretty amazing. I haven't. I'm going to have to pick that up. And so if people want to get in touch with you, how do they do that? Great. Um, you can get in touch with me at info at claggettphotography.com. Claggett has one G and two T's. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> or you can find me on Facebook and Instagram, and I would absolutely love to connect with you. Great. And then I know you have a special, so can you share that? Yes. We are giving your listeners a 20% discount off of mentoring. So we offer one-on-one mentoring and we offer kind of year-long mentoring and that sort of thing. So we have several different options kind of depending on your budget and your needs. Um, and we'd be happy to help you with that. And if you'll just mention Lucy's name, we'll give you 20% off that. Great, 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 great. So before I let Marnie go back to her real world, um, remind you to stay tuned for my wrap up and remember to go to lucydumascoaching.com and get the ebook on marketing and also I'd love you to join the profitable photographer on Facebook my private group and the profitable photographer dash lucy dumas is the Facebook page 
And stay tuned because I'm launching an online course called, I'm saying this too many times, but the Profitable Photographer Sales Academy. And that will be coming out uh, early February, I think. So thank you so much, Marnie. I've really enjoyed chatting with you. And as someone that also has been working out of her home, you know, I feel, feel like we're kindred spirits and have the same kind of challenges and delights in having businesses set up. So Marnie, I want to thank you so much for being on my show. And I loved hearing about your at-home residential experience because as you know, that's been what I've done for 37 years, going on 38 and learning how to make that work. I know my listeners have probably really listened with interest in that. So thank you, thank you, thank you, Marnie. Oh, thank you, Lucy. That's been great. So that was a fun interview with Marnie Claggett. And here's some of my takeaways. And I'd love to hear what you got out of this as well. One is that you can make space in your home and be successful, be profitable, even photograph in your home in a small space if you just think through it and create creative solutions, <laughs> create creative solutions in just a 10 by 10 space that was really not even with doors shut, it sounds like. She and her husband were very successful for quite a while. Another takeaway is if you decide to get a studio elsewhere, that there's a lot more expenses. And for an average studio that makes maybe 100000 in sales per year, it might cost you an additional $10,000. Now, in some cases, it means more income. In other cases, it's the value of a better lifestyle, being able to separate your work life from your home life. And so that's just something to think through. There are people who have invested really well in studios and then considered it not the smartest idea because they weren't able to generate enough business to cover the extra expenses. So um, you want to think long and hard. And what she didn't say that I highly recommend is be sure that you have at least a year's worth of rent in the bank that you can cover so that you've got time and you're not so stressed about making sure to have enough sales to cover that, that extra expense of a studio. She also talked about some ways to help clients see you as professional when you're working in your home. We talked about dressing appropriately. We talked about using languaging that's professional and just having everything set up so that people know that just because you're in your home doesn't mean you are not a full professional giving awesome service. Another is that she does office hours. And so people know that they can't just come by any old time or call her morning, noon, and night or the middle of the night and expect her to be available. We also talked lovingly about the mom-tographer title 
and that it actually came because about 10 years ago, being able to take great photographs became easier with digital cameras getting better and better and not needing to learn technology before we could take some great pictures of our friends, our family, our kids, and so forth. And she is one of the moms who has been able to turn this into a very good sustaining business for her and her husband and her family. And so I believe in all you moms out there, all you dads out there, all you single people out there, (laughs) because it is your own grit, your own gumption, your own intelligence and willingness to do the work that will get you to the success you're looking for. So that's my little bit of wrap up for today. And I will talk to you next time. Bye for now. You have been listening to The Highly Profitable Photographer with Lucy Dumas. If you've enjoyed this podcast, please rate, subscribe, review, and share. To connect one-on-one and learn more about our coaching programs, just go to lucydumascoaching.com. Until next time, go have fun photographing and selling your work.